I want to just, uh, I want to invite Brennan to just stay here for just a minute. He didn't know I was going to do this, which always makes people nervous. But uh, about two years ago, Brennan called me up and said, I think, I think God might be calling me to this worship leader position. And I said, oh, really? And I just want to tell you and I want to let you affirm him. We have watched you mature in faith as you have led us into the presence of the Almighty week in and week out. And we are grateful for that. And I want to pray for you. God, thank you for this man and uh, his service to you, his allegiance to you. And his willingness to, to be raw and vulnerable and real. And as your Holy Spirit transforms him week in and week out. God, just continue to bless he and Ellie and their endeavors as a couple now. And the new chapters in life. And Lord, thank you for bringing him here for this time. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. To be really clear, he's not going anywhere, okay? <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> well, he's going, he's going backstage, but... Um, is everybody comfortable today? Are you really? Were you here last week? Yeah. 73 degrees, right? We all love to be comfortable. I did hear and listen to Pastor Tom's sermon, and uh, I wasn't here to visually see, so I'm just envisioning who really likes it hot. You don't have to raise your hands again this week. <laughs> I, well, interestingly enough, Jeff, I think I heard you on the audio recording. <laughs> but uh, God hasn't called us to comfortable, right? He also hasn't called us to enjoy the really hot. <laughs> That's... If that represents hell, we don't want to be there. But he has called us into this state of tension where the Lord does some of his best work. I, uh, I'm a firm believer that, that I, I am called by God to preach the gospel. And that calling is for each and every one of you also. Maybe not in the role as pastor, but you are all called to share the good news. If you are a follower of Jesus... That is what Jesus says you must do. And uh, sometimes we, we stretch ourselves a little bit. I asked a friend to come. <laughs> I asked another guy. I said, hey, would you be willing to pray for me? And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. I said, right before the sermon, okay. <laughs> and uh, it's good to be in a state where you're a little bit uncomfortable. But Chip, could I have you come and pray for me? I saw Chip this week... Uh, pedaling his bike through town and uh, I was grateful to God for you and the ministry that you have with people in places that I can't reach and that others can't reach because my arms aren't long enough <laughs> but uh, I just want to I want Chip to pray for me this morning Heavenly Father first off thank you for this awesome church and thank you for everybody that's here right now Lord uh, thank you for Pastor Joel. Please uh, guide him this morning as he gives forth your word. Thank you, Lord. 
and uh, give him the wisdom and the ability to help us understand what it is you would have us to do each and every day of our lives, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. But uh, just uh, open our hearts this morning, Lord, and open our minds to accept your word that you're about to say through Joel this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Chip is our chairperson of the trustees also. He's on our leadership team. Were you going to share something else? Well, I was going to say, you asked me to pray, and I'm like, oh, I'm all nervous and everything. But then God laid in my heart, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. How about that? I, uh, I don't have any other plans to put anybody else on the spot this morning. So you're, you're safe, okay? You can make eye contact now. I know that typically we don't make eye contact with the teacher because they might call on us. But, uh, you know, as, as we were preparing for this week's sermon, um, last week Pastor Tom unpacked a really difficult passage in Scripture from Hosea, uh, the first chapter. And um, we saw this invitation from God to use life experiences to explain God's relationship with us. So metaphors, right? And that metaphor that was used last week was a husband and wife. And I don't know if you happen to read through the rest of the book of Hosea, but I would encourage you to do so. Uh, there's 14 chapters. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful passage of God's... All of Scripture is good. Hosea gives us a nugget of gold that I hope we'll unpack today that will, will make you think, huh, I want to spend a little bit more time in the Old Testament now. Um, but Tom did a wonderful job unpacking not only the difficulty of the people of Israel's relationship with God, but each of the names of the children and the significance of God's instructions to them. So I want to start with just a question first, and, and you can just kind of think about this, right? You don't need to answer this directly right now. You can just kind of chew on it throughout the service and hopefully throughout the week. I met a guy yesterday at a funeral, and uh, we were talking about temperature, and I said, you know, I like it really 65 to 70. He says, yeah, that's, Pastor Tom said that's the perfect temperature, didn't he, last week? I'm like, Tom, if you're online with us this morning, Pastor Tom's on vacation, but if you're online with us this morning, somebody retains something from last week, so <laughs> praise God, and a, and a big uh, hello to the rest of you that are joining us online. I know that there are folks that are faithfully online with us that aren't able to be in person yet, um, but as, as we process forward, I hope that you see that God does indeed still speak. And that's my question for you. Do you believe that God still speaks to his people? You don't, you don't need to answer that out loud. And some of you might be sitting in the seat of, eh, I'm not really sure about that. Because your experiences in life maybe tell you that that hasn't happened. Okay? So just think about that. Do you believe that God still speaks to his people. And um, the prophet was going through some things. <laughs> Maybe when you've read the scriptures, you felt like these men and women that are, are, are positioned before us as prophets and teachers and the people of God. Maybe as you've kind of read through that and been listening for the Lord in that, you're like, I feel like this is kind of my story at times. So I need to remind you that Hosea was married to a harlot, a woman who had 
relations, sexual relations with other men. And God said, go marry this woman. And when you fast forward a little bit in the, chapter, in the chapters, you realize that, wait a minute, after she had separated from him, God said, go redeem her. <laughs> and his kids, they were a hot mess. There's a, there's a bus on, um, I'm drawing a blank as to the, to the name of the road, but it's over in uh, Falconer, Jamestown area. And it, it's titled the Hot Mess Express. <laughs> like, I need to drive that bus around sometimes. <laughs> Hosea understood the difficulties of life. It also positioned him to be in a very unique spot to hear clearly from the Lord as the Lord used his experiences to convey the heart of God. And I remember um, some of you have raised children and we've all seen children. And there's a little girl who is kind of like a a piece of Bemis Point. We have watched her from birth all the way up. I think she's a little over a year old now, maybe 13 months. Her name is Beckley. Does everybody know Beckley? Beckley, yeah, some of you are clapping because, well, maybe your family of Beckley. <laughs> but um, Beckley is the daughter of Jackson and Katie Graham. And uh, I've watched, and it's been a while since I've had little ones, but I've watched as Beckley went from crawling to now kind of walking. You remember what it's like to teach a child to walk, and you all went through this, right? Mom and dad held your finger, or they held your hands, and they prompted you along, and you were unsteady. You relied upon them, and in the early phases, you clung tightly to their finger, didn't you, right? But then what happens the moment we think we can do it on our own? We learn the famous two-letter word, no, 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 no. And, and inevitably, when children say no, and they're walking by themselves at that very early, awkward stage, they're looking behind them, and they're, you're like, please don't walk into that, mm, the door, or the table, or the other human being, or right? Or they're tumbling down. But it's like inside of us is this longing to be independent. I'm a dad of daughters, buy stock and Drano, telling you. Any, any man out there who has daughters knows exactly what I'm talking about, okay? I clean out drains and find things that I didn't know could exist in drains on a regular basis. They have long hair, all of them, like, how do we get hair in the, kit, in the sink, in the kitchen sink at times? I don't know the mystery. I know that it doesn't come from my head. <laughs> I was the one who uh, taught the girls to ride a bike. And uh, when we took the training wheels off, it was like a, they, they really wanted the training wheels off, and then they didn't want the training wheels off, right? So we went with one wheel on, one training wheel. They must have looked ridiculous. And we had a gravel driveway, so you can imagine kind of where that's all going, and uh, and dad would come along beside them, and, I, and I'd hold on to the, uh, the, back of the back seat of the bike, and, and they'd be pedaling along for dear life, and, and eventually, at some point, unknown to them, I would let go. If you've taught a kid to ride a bike, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I would let go, and they'd be going all by themselves until they realized that I wasn't there, and then all of a sudden, they got shaky and wink every time. Ashley was just learning to ride a bicycle, and we took her to Allegheny State Park, and there's a bike trail around the lake, right? And it's, it seemed like a great idea in my head, like a lot of things. But then practice came out. And we got, we got to the top of the hill across the, from the, the beach area. And we're going through that little wooded area. 
And, and Ashley looks back and all of a sudden, and she's just learned how to ride a bike. She veers off to the left and there's absolutely nothing I can do. And right into the multiflora rose she went. Dad of the year for that one. And then we had to go down the hill and try to get her to stop at the bottom. It was, I could see things in slow motion. I'm like, please don't do that. And she did that. I was the same guy that taught the girls how to shoot a gun, how to shoot a bow, how to, oh, here's a fun one. I taught the girls how to braid their hair. True story. All the guys in here are like, I need your man card. No, I need yours. Teach your daughters how to braid their hair if mom doesn't know how to braid hair. And uh, they looked ridiculous, but I got the basic concept down. But all of those things that we were teaching our kids to do was a desired end, wasn't it? Is that they would be independent in this and that they would be able to do it for themselves. And I wonder at times if we've missed the mark. If our longing to create independence in others has been the very tool that the enemy has used to make us independent from God. Would you open your Bibles with me to the prophet Hosea? Remember, God was done with the people. And uh, the prophet Hosea, and I want to teach through and then kind of give you a couple of uh, things to, to work on as we walk through this together. We're going to look at all of chapter 11 except for verse 12. We're going to do verses 1 through 11 of chapter 11 of Hosea. And one of the things that I do, and I want to just give you some of the things that I do as maybe a help for you. I don't know. If it doesn't work, try something different. But one of the things that I do is every time I go to the scriptures, I ask God to open my eyes. So uh, let me just pray for you and for me. Lord, thank you for your word that we can read today. Would your Holy Spirit open our eyes and our ears, and as, uh, as was already prayed, would you open our hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for us? Help us to see you more clearly, God. Also, Lord, help us to see ourselves more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So whenever you go to the scriptures, try to spend a, a couple of moments in prayer on the front end, inviting, inviting the Holy Spirit of God to work in you. And uh, so the prophet... Um, is downloading all of this information that God has given him and he's writing it for the people, okay? And it's difficult sometimes when we read scripture because we don't understand necessarily all that's taking place. Kind of like those of you that maybe are questioning if God still speaks because your experience is you haven't heard from the Lord that you would recognize at least. You might think he doesn't do that. Well, it's, it's easy to gloss over things that are in the scriptures at times if we don't do a little bit of digging. Um, So I just want to read the text and then I want to give you a few things afterwards. It says, when Israel was a child, I'm sorry, I probably can't just read the text and not give you some things going into it. (laughs) Remember last week, what was Israel's relationship to God? Husband and wife, right? There's a relationship, there's there's a metaphor, God is using a different metaphor to describe his relationship with the people of Israel right now, the people of God. And it's parent and child. So there's a shift in the text, and we need to be very attentive to that. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. 
They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Or it was I who taught Israel to walk. Taking them by the arms. Just like little Beckley. Or little children that you've taught to walk. Taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? Swords will flash in their cities, will destroy the bars of their gates and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. God is seeing something that the people he is writing to and the people that are hearing this today aren't necessarily seeing. He's looking from a different angle. It says, even if they call them the most high, he will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? And I want to pause just for a minute as we move into this next phrase. Does anybody have a, um, a, a New Living Translation out there? Or a um, New American Standard, NASB? Yeah? So you're going you're gonna to see something a little bit different right here from what my Bible says, and then I want to teach you something about that. It says, uh, my heart is changed within me. The NASB or the NLT should read something like, my heart has turned within me. A, a better translation of the, of the word there is actually to churn. To churn. And I'll come back to that in a few minutes. It says, My heart is changed within me and all my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God and not man the Holy One among you, and I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I oftentimes tell you this. I don't tell you this every single week, but I probably should tell you this every single week. If you hear nothing else, if you miss everything else that was said, please don't leave and just remember the cute imagery of Beckley walking with her mom in her hand. Right? Please don't just remember that. Remember that God loves you. Yes, even you. Even the one who looked in the mirror this morning and did not feel lovable. Even the one who looked in the mirror this morning and remembered all of the sins that they have committed in the past. God loves you. And God always has. He created you. Scripture makes it really clear that he created you in the image of God. And you are of sacred worth. Regardless of how you feel, please don't let your emotions dictate how you feel about God. God loves you. And when we start to understand the depth of that love, we recognize that God has something very different in store for us than we can ever 
imagine. Ever. So, retain this. God loves you. He doesn't always like the actions that you might engage in. He doesn't always applaud your poor decisions. <laughs> I think about that in my own life. I'm like, God, are you proud of that? No, actually, that one didn't. That wasn't honoring to me. <clears throat> but he loves you. And that love isn't measured by your successes or your failures. That love isn't measured by anything that you do, actually. That love is measured by the character of Almighty God. You notice uh, a couple of things in the text as we start to unpack it. The first is that God is reminiscing and reminding God's people of the past. One of the things that happens in our, in our lives is we tend to want to forget the past, don't we? Especially if it's stained. We tend to not want to go there, right? Sometimes the Lord uses our past to remind us of his love. The invitation from God to the people of Israel right here where he says, remember Egypt? Egypt was the place where they were slaves. They were held in captivity to the Egyptians. That our entire narrative with God is a story of redemption and it's a freedom message from the very beginning. He freed them from the bondage and tyranny of slavery and the physical world to represent what was taking place in the spiritual world. And as they started to understand a little bit, <laughs> they thought they had it figured out. Remembering the past is not a bad thing. Especially if you go to the past and acknowledge what God has done in your life through it. C.S. Lewis does a wonderful job of depicting kind of these, uh, the word pictures. Does anybody remember who C.S. Lewis was? He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. What is, what is the great image in the Chronicle of Narnia? What is the, who, who is God in the Chronicles? Who's Jesus actually in the Chronicles of Narnia? Aslan. And what is Aslan? Aslan is what? Aslan is a lion. And we, we tend to Im imagine God as like this gentle, peaceful, quiet lamb. And do you remember when Susan went to the beavers and asked, was asking about Aslan? Well, who is this As Aslan? Oh, he is a lion, the beaver said. And there was fear in, in, in the beaver's voice. You could, you could hear it. And if you read it rather than saw it, it was even better, actually. And, and Susan says, well, wait, wait a minute. I thought he was a man. And Mr. Beaver said, oh, no. Oh, no. And Susan says, well, well isn't he safe? No. No. He is a lion. You let that sink in for a moment. He's a lion. He isn't safe. He is the king. We have this image in our mind based on culture today that says that God is really this safe buddy friend of mine and I don't want to neglect the relationship dynamic of, of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit and us but I also don't want you to be led astray thinking that you can just engage in life however you want and God is your friend who affirms every decision that you make. I was meeting with a friend this week and uh, I love how sometimes, do you have those friends where when you connect, it's like you haven't seen each other in a long time and when you connect, it's like you never missed a beat. And we were talking about how culture 
has really challenged. I know, I, why on earth are you talking about culture, Pastor? Just have normal conversations, right? I think about that at times too, but we were talking about how culture has infiltrated the church and how the church has been lulled to sleep. And we believe what we want to believe. The prophets, the prophets were not willing to let the people believe what they wanted to believe. It says that uh, I spoke to them. He said that a couple different times. And they rejected me. It's time the church started to take our faith seriously. I'll give you my answer to that first question. Yes, God still speaks. I don't hear an audible voice unless it's coming through another human being. Then it's very audible. But when God speaks, it's always affirmed through Scripture. Scripture affirms Scripture. Right? It testifies to itself. I met with uh, our bishop recently, and Mark is a God-fearing man. He's a, he's a, good, he's a good leader. He's a, he's a man who wants to, to be faithful to the calling from God upon his life. And, um, and I'm negotiating. Well, let me, I'll just give you the whole picture. Bishop Webb, if you hear this, you're hearing it now live. <laughs> I am negotiating or attempting to negotiate with the bishop on some things on behalf of the churches. And bishop says to me, he says, I want to do that for you, but I can't. Because more important than my desire to to help you see a way through this is to be a man of integrity. And I've been called to uphold this book and the book doesn't allow it. And I went to butt and everything else and whined a little bit and tried some strong tactics and nothing was working. And I thought about that later. And I said to my friend this last week, I said, you know, I pray that at the end of the day, people say he was a man of integrity. He didn't tell me what my itching ears wanted to hear. He didn't say that which was evil is good so that I could feel better or so that culture would be okay. He was a man of integrity and a man of one book. And he feared nothing but the king. Because he's not safe. Now, God is a space where we can experience the community of the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father in a way like never before. And it's beautiful and it's good. He is God. The people of Israel had forgotten that. They had seen it at times. You look back over their history and you see these pockets when they get themselves into a big mess. What do they do? They, they look back in the past and they're like, ah, Jesus, please. Well, they didn't have Jesus at the time, but God, please save me, right? That's translated today when we get ourselves in a hot mess. Oh, Jesus, please save me. And God is there in those moments. Marcion was a first century uh, leader in the faith. And, and he started to read the scriptures, the, 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 the given word of God to the, 
to the New Testament folks, okay? And he started to see that maybe there was a discrepancy between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. So you know what he proposed? He thought this would be a good idea in his mind, and a lot of other people jumped on board. He said, let's get rid of the Old Testament, because I don't like that God. I don't like the God that is all about justice and holiness, and I want the God that is all about grace and mercy and love and these attributes. And, and what came out of that was a heresy known as the Marcionite heresy. I would invite you to spend more time in the Old Testament so that the grace which you have received if you are a follower of Jesus, retract that statement. You have received grace whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, by the way. But the grace that you have received, it wouldn't be cheapened. That you would understand the depths of God's love. And in Hosea chapter 11, we see an image of God that maybe you haven't seen in the past in the Old Testament. I've read the entire Bible several times. I don't recall it as clearly as it is right here. So the past. The past is important. Don't get rid of it. Even if it's painful at times. Even if people remind you of it at times. Don't get rid of it. Because it should, in Christ, reveal the grace of God that has been present with you even in your darkest portion of your story. Likewise, in the present, don't think that you have overcome and have moved beyond. That is the beginning of the slide backwards. The moment we let go and we think we've got it all figured out, right? We begin to use the word, no. I've got this, Dad. I've got this, Dad. And I can't tell you. I mean, it, children, it's a great analogy with our children, isn't it? I'm, I love how God uses simple things to kind of remind because everybody understands that. Everybody has seen those types of things. We've seen the train wreck in slow motion, right, of the child falling over, and we try to save them, and it doesn't work. And that's what God is navigating right here. By the way, when we use the language, and I would encourage you to stop using this language, there is only one God. There is no other gods. There is no little g's. There, there is no other gods. I love how the New Testament writer translated it with, with bales, right? That represents foreign things. And we search for that in all types. Of, we try to fill the, the void in all different areas. But there is only one God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophah, Yahweh, there is only one, right? Three persons, one God. There is no other gods. But the people of Israel immediately, once they got their feet back underneath them for a moment, began to look to other things. That's kind of true in our lives, isn't it, at times? We think we got it figured out. And we start to get into this rhythm of life, and we start to think it's comfortable, and we're safe, and it's okay, and before we know it, we're navigating another situation and we're crying, oh God, help me. But we've neglected them in the in-between. It was, uh, his name's escaping me right now. This wasn't, this wasn't my idea. <laughs> Who was talking about our, our view of God as this theistic deity, right? Out there to meet my needs. 
rather than us as the creation created solely to bring glory to God. And as the Westminster Catechism says, and to enjoy his company forever. We stop enjoying his company when we stop recognizing he's there. I've sat with several people in the last couple of months who have confessed sins. And um, when we actively are engaging in sin, we're not able to see the king's presence. And unless we repent, now repentance doesn't just mean acknowledging the sin. Repentance, and that's what God said was the issue with the people of Israel, wasn't it? It said in verse five, because they refuse to repent. Repentance means acknowledging the sin that God has identified and then running away from it. And that's tough. That's really tough because we want to engage the sin, right? Think of the old hymn. Lord, I'm prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, right? We don't want to do that. I'm here today as the prophet telling you repent of your sin. What that looks like in Pastor Joe's life, so you get a snapshot into my world for just a moment, okay? Picture it late at night, just before bed. I ask the Lord a couple of very important questions for me. I say, Lord, how have I sinned against you and others today? I invite God to reveal to me my past, my past throughout the day, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't transcend a series of time, although at times it does. And then I say, Lord, will you forgive me my sins? And it's uncomfortable sometimes. Because it usually involves me hurting other people. Knowingly and unknowingly. And God brings those to the forefront of my mind and positions me in a spot to actually repent of them. And I would invite you to daily allow God to bring into light the past. Because scripture says that there is no darkness in him, right? That he is the light of the world. Darkness can't exist where God is. When we do that just before bed or just before we go to sleep, we're positioning ourselves to awaken with a clean slate, a fresh start. When we don't do that, we carry over the burden of the previous day. And you know what the enemy does? Slow and subtle affirmations of sin justification of sin. This is one of the big things that uh, not necessarily you, but others will navigate. They'll justify a sinful response or behavior in a moment while everybody else is doing it. That's That's a big one that I hear a lot. Everybody else is doing it, so it must be okay. No, culture doesn't get to define the Christ follower. The Christ follower gets to define culture. And I'll leave you with the great hope that is found here. Remember, I told you that word changed isn't a good translation. I wish it was different. Uh, churn is a better translation or to turn. God God loves you. 
And if you have children, you know exactly the emotion that God is feeling right here. A good understanding of that word is like the, as the sea turns over, right? As the sea churns and it's, and it's shifting and it's tumultuous at times. That's what was taking place inside of God in this moment. Just previously, destruction was coming upon the people. But God, his mercy and his love are ever present. I think it's the only spot in scripture in the Old Testament at least, where we witness this type of change, this type of, of turn, as we see the heart of the Father and we witnessed it in Jesus Christ and we experience it today by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. God doesn't want us to wander away. He doesn't want you to navigate the hurts in life the pain that comes from living outside the boundaries of what God has said. Look at if you do these things, you're going to experience community and communion like you've never experienced before. But we oftentimes want to live on the other side of the line because we've positioned people there. And we've said, hey, it's all about you. We're so proud of you. And we are. But at the same time, let us never neglect what God is doing and the great work of God. I had a, a friend um, make this statement to me. And he said, uh, Pastor Joe, you deserve that. We were talking about uh, hunting, actually. That's the other thing that occupies a lot of my... If I'm not talking about culture, I'm talking about hunting. So those two things. And, uh, and I said, no, I, I don't deserve anything except eternal separation from God. Because I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's what I deserve. And I know it's not real, uh, this isn't the the tweetable line for the day, okay? (laughs) You all deserve that. I love you. And God loves you. And God, in his grace, has offered another option. And said, I want my people who are called by my name to commune with me, to enjoy my company all the days of their life and into eternity. But our response is so important. We have the choice. We have the choice. Are we going to follow God or not? Sometimes it's an every moment choice. Aslan signifies something that all of us long for. We all long to follow the king. We just aren't necessarily sure about it at times. Susan didn't quite have it all figured out. But you remember the scene when Aslan roared what happened? Those who were opposed, it was over. Those who were for, Lewis was drawing that imagery, I think, From this text, by the way, those who were for came running. The king's calling. Are you in? The future is really bright with Jesus. It doesn't mean that everything's going to work out, okay? It doesn't mean everything's going to work out the way you think it should. Maybe I should clarify that. By the way, the people of Israel had a whole lot of problems 
after this beautiful imagery of God's love for them and his mercy, right? There's a whole lot of problems that took place still. But we, in Christ, have tremendous hope because Jesus is alive. The king's not dead, and he's not sleeping either. And the Holy Spirit is moving in your lives right now. As we get ready to lead into this final uh, worship song, I want to invite you to just take a moment of silence. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Uh, and I just want to, I want to invite you to a moment of silence. Maybe now is the time for you to let God search your heart. Pray as David prayed. Search me, O God. See if there be any, any sin within me. Search me and try me right now. And experience in a moment the forgiveness of sin and the bondage of the slavery to it. When our moment has ended, I'll close us in prayer and then the worship team's gonna lead us in a song. And as they lead us in this final song, I wanna invite you to not just jump to your feet. Okay? Sometimes that's what we do is we just get up and we go through the rope motions of, you know, well, this is what we do in church. We stand up and we sing and then we clap and we do all these other things, right? To wait until the Spirit of God so moves inside of you that you are compelled to stand. Not out of obligation, but out of a divine movement. Let's pray. Father, that which the law was never intended nor able to do, you have done in Jesus. You have justified us. Lord, I pray for your church this morning, both here and those that are afar and those that will listen in the future. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move our hearts to action that we would learn from the past, that we would see your great deliverance, and that we would live in communion with you by the power of your Holy Spirit every moment of every day. And God, that we might be a people that talks about it to others, that is ready in season and out of season, ready to give a defense for the faith, And Lord, for those this morning who are struggling with doubt and anxiety and whatever other, maybe even bitterness, God, I have a sense that some, some are navigating bitterness right now towards you as we reject the thoughts that you're bringing to the forefront of our mind. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to move in our lives and position us before you.
that we might be armed and ready because the battle belongs to you, but we fight on our knees. Honor and glory is yours, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love and your justice. In Jesus' name, amen.